I want to talk before I jump into the Word of God, I want to talk about communion real quickly. We've got a couple tables in the front, a couple in the back, but at the end of the service today, what we are going to do is remember Jesus in that way. For those of you who are part of our church, you kind of know what we're doing, but in case you're visiting or, or new to Jesus or something like that, it's just a time for believers in Jesus to remember uh, by taking a piece of bread, remembering that he broke his body for us on the cross, and to drink a cup of juice, which is a symbol of his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we'll do this at the end of the service today. We sang a song earlier, and we sang, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And I just would hope that that phrase would resonate with you throughout the rest of the day. Hallelujah, what a Savior. And as we go to communion, we, hallelujah, praise the Lord is what that word means. What a Savior that Jesus would do this for us, that he would die for us, that we could have a relationship with our Creator. And so uh, we will do that. If during that time uh, we've got some kids with us today because our children's ministry team is taking a break off or taking a break and getting the room ready. And so if you have kids with you today, you can talk to them and, and say, you know, if they're believers in Jesus, we invite you to do this with them. And, and, uh, but if they need some instruction, this would be a good time at the end of the service to talk to your kids about that today. I do want to say this as well. You have in your worship program today um, an envelope that says Fellowship Fund. Would you just grab that real quickly? I want to tell you a positive story, and this isn't to uh, twist your arm, but to encourage you more than anything. When we take communion and remember what Jesus did for us, we also like to say we'd like to bless others in a similar manner. And so we have this special offering once a month that goes to what we call our Fellowship Fund. And people come to us from the community or in the body, and they say, I've got a problem financially. I need some help. And uh, in the last week and a half, we've been able to help three people who just came to us and said, I am in desperate need. And so we uh, have these interviews, and we, we meet with them, and we have our protocols and things like that. But we were able to bless people with rent money and to fix some things that were broken and and I just want to say thank you, because as you receive the grace of God, and as you remember what Jesus did for you, and as you bless, we are able to bless in the name of Jesus. And so you have that opportunity to, again, do that today if you would like. Well, let's jump into the Word of God. Last week I started a two-week mini-series, I called this, and we'll finish it today, on growth. Let's talk about this today, growth. <clears throat> and I want to talk about some of the reasons we would talk about growth, reasons for this. Uh, and, I, and these are things I shared last week. Some of you I know weren't here, but we want to do this. One, we want to talk about growth because it's the start of a new year. Start of a new year. Whenever you start a new year, whether it's January 1st or the start of a school year, it's always a time to do some inventory in the house. Schedules are going to change, and you say, you know what, I'd like to try something new. And we say as a church, we want to uh, focus on growth with the start of a new year. And so uh, next week specifically, when we have our kickoff and we start some classes and community groups, we say, you know, it's just a prime time for every single one of us to consider growth. And so your time commitments are maybe changing. Kids going back to school, can I get an amen from the parents on that? Amen. <laughs> and so, that, you know, schedules are going to change. And you're trying, how, okay, how can we grow this year? Because the kids are going to grow academically and physically and socially and things like that. But your schedule's changing. 
I notice my schedule's changing because all of a sudden there's more football on TV, all right? And so my Saturdays, uh, I have to get all the work done in the morning so that I can spend the afternoon and the evening watching those football games, right? Can I get an amen to football season? <laughs> well, that even changes our schedules on Sunday. Or anyway, and then they play football now on Monday and Thursday and Friday, you know. So we've got to just realize, okay, we, we've got so much time. Let's focus on growth so that uh, we would honor the Lord. Second reason I want us to consider growth is because it's the desire of God. It's the desire of God. He created us. He loves us. He says, I want you to grow. If you look at the front of your worship program today, it simply says these words, growing closer to God. This is what we're all about. This is why we gather today, so I would encourage you as we look into the Word of God to grow. This is why we have ministries, so that you would grow. But it's really the desire of God. He says, I don't want you to to just get old. I want you to grow. I want you to grow closer to me. I want your spirit to grow. And so because it's the desire of God, we we will pursue growth. Today, would you open your Bibles, if you have those with you, to 2 Peter chapter 3. If you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 1019, way at the back of the Bible. One of the last letters that the Apostle Peter wrote to churches like us. It's his second letter. We'll look at chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. And as we mentioned last week in this letter, he's trying to warn his people and and they are not going to hear from him again. He understands that he's even getting close to death himself and he says there's some urgency here. And when we get to chapter 3, he starts saying, I want you to know the Lord is returning. The Lord is returning. There's some urgency to this. All things are coming to an end. The Lord is returning. And so, follow along as I read some things, as I did last week. We'll start at verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, follow along. He says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, the fact that the Lord is returning, the end is near, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. A couple things I just want to pick out of there real quickly. One, he's saying this, I want you to be patient people. I want you to be patient. Oh, isn't that difficult for us? But he says, be patient. The Lord is returning. I want you to wait for him. He then says this, I want you to be prepared, people. I want you to be prepared. I want you to do everything in your power to grow closer to him because one day you will meet him. And for some of you, you're you're saying, I'm ready to meet him. I know I'm at peace with God through Jesus. Some of you are not ready to meet him. You're thinking, I'm hoping to do enough good things. And I'll tell you, you never could. The only good thing that was done was Jesus paid for your sins. You trust him and you will be ready. But get ourselves ready. Grow closer to God. Verse 17, follow along if you would. Peter says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you do not get carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Quickly, he's saying, be on your guard. Be on your guard. As you go through life, there are things that could carry you away. Things that could get you lost in the storms of life. Things that could shipwreck your faith. Be on your guard. And then verse 18, he finishes up by saying these words, but grow. Here's this pastor saying to people like you and me, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Simply, I think he's saying, be growing. 
Because the Lord is returning, because you will meet this God one day face to face, be growing in your faith. And I want to talk about that specifically today. Be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Before we do that, I just got to do a quick review from last week. We said this last week that in order to grow, I need the power of God. Okay? You see, this isn't just willpower. This isn't just <clears throat> making goals. This isn't just making to-do lists and saying, I'm becoming more accomplished. But this is tapping into the power of God, connecting to Him, and letting His life flow through you. We also said this last week, in order to grow, I need the people of God. You're not intended to do this on your own. I know that some of you just don't like being around other people. Some of you are shy. Some of you are introverts, whatever it is. But you are not designed to grow completely by yourself. You need the people of God. That doesn't mean just Sunday mornings, but you need community groups. You need Bible studies. You need people to pray with, people to cry with, people to confess with. You need the people of God in your life. So I talked about that last week, and and I just want to say this real quickly. I was blessed this last week when I started hearing from some of you, and I heard rumors of hearing of some of you saying, you know what, I do need people. And maybe I will join a community group and I'll go to that Bible study and I will start connecting with some of my friends that I haven't connected with in a long time. And when you started doing that, that blesses me and I know it blesses God because you were saying in those moments, I'm getting that I'm not growing just by myself, but I need the people of God to grow. So let God speak to you that way. Verse 18, let's focus on this one verse today and then it will take us into a few avenues. Look at verse 18 with me again. But grow, Peter says as he finishes this letter, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I want to talk today about some spheres of growth, some spheres of growth, and they're specifically grace and knowledge. Peter says, I want you to grow in these areas, specifically grace and knowledge. I want you to grow in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's look at this first one, grace. I believe we could say it this way. I'm called to experience the grace of God. I'm called to you, every single one of us, is called by God to experience the grace of God. You're saying, well, what does that mean? Let me explain that real quickly. Let's look at some of those words. Let's look at the word grace means unmerited favor. It means a gift from God that you don't deserve. God has gifts for you that you don't deserve. Gifts that you can't earn. He just says, I want to pour out some gifts to you. I want you to experience this. That's what grace is, this gift you don't deserve. When I say experience the grace of God, God, I'm specifically meaning this, the grace of Jesus. If you look at the words that Peter says, he says, Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. What do those words mean real quickly? Lord. Peter is saying this, that Jesus is your master. Whether you were four years old or whether this was four days ago and you said, Jesus, I need you, he is a Lord. He's a master. And when you say, I've decided to follow Jesus, that means I'm following my master. He's the boss. He's the one that gives me marching orders. But Peter says he's also our Savior, and you've got to know this. He's the one that rescued you. 
He's the one that went to the cross for you, that rescued you. And so you grow from these gifts that your master gives you, the one that rescued you, that, that he gave you. Now let me show you one of my favorite verses. I would hope that you'd memorize it if you haven't already. It's found in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. I'll put it here on the screen. <clears throat> Apostle Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's kind of saying this to a church, saying, you know this, that though he was rich, he had it all. He became poor so that you, in your, his, your poverty, could become rich. This is what Jesus did for you. The only way I could picture this is if you had millions of dollars and you gave it all away and were completely bankrupt and gave it to a third world nation so that they could have clean water and food and health care and all of that they would say you are my hero you gave away everything so that we could have everything this is what Paul is saying of Jesus this is grace a gift you didn't deserve favor that you got And Peter is saying, grow in your experience of this. Experience this. Soak this in. Think about this. Reflect on this. Here is what Jesus has done for you. You and I are called to experience this grace. Another word for that would be to receive it. To receive this grace. To say, okay, I receive what you did for me. What a tragedy if somebody gave away millions of dollars, gave it to a third world nation, and the third world nation just said, you know what? Nope, we're going to do it on our own. And they just struggled in poverty and misery and just said, we have all this at our access, but we just we refuse to receive it. Though we do that with Jesus at sometimes. Let me show you a passage in John chapter 1. John, the disciple of Jesus, said this. He said, he, Jesus, came to his own. He came to his creation. Came to the people that he had created. And his own, they didn't receive him. But to those who did receive him. He's talking about people like you and me who said, Jesus, I need you. To those who did receive him. To those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. That is grace. Experience this. Receive this. And so when Peter says, you need to grow in this, there's something about you have to understand it. You have to receive it and say, Jesus, this is what I need. You have done all of this to save me. I'll take it. And Peter says, grow in that experience of all of this. Now, again, at the end of the service today, when we take communion... For those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, I invite you to come up to either these two or those two back there and you will take a piece of bread, which is a symbol of his body. You'll take a cup, which is a symbol of his bloodshed, and you will, your body will receive it. And it's it's an act of saying, just as I received you by faith into my heart, my body is going to receive this bread and this juice. And Peter's saying, when you grow... Part of this is experiencing this grace, receiving this grace, soaking in this grace that Jesus has for you. Now, I got to admit, it's a little interesting. How do you grow in grace? How do you experience grace? I want to show you a picture of this. And for that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You're going to have to go to your left here. We're going to be on page 970 if you're following along in this Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
As you're turning there, I'll tell you the story real quickly. The Apostle Paul, he's struggling. We don't know exactly with what, but he's asking the Lord to take this problem away. You ever ask the Lord to take a problem away? Huh? Say, Lord, take this away, remove it. And the Apostle Paul says, I pleaded to the Lord three times specifically, would you take this away? Now look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But Jesus said to me, even though I was begging, Jesus said to me, my grace, my favor in your life, my goodness that you don't deserve in your life, my grace is sufficient for you right now. My goodness in your life is enough for you right now. In other words, he's saying, I'm not taking away your problem. What? I wanted the problem taken away. Now, Jesus says, I'm not taking it away. My goodness in your life is going to be good enough. Now, this is huge. Look what he says. My grace is sufficient for you because Jesus says, my power in your life is made perfect in what? Weakness. In other words, I want to get you weak. I want to break you down so that you're calling out to me. And when you call out to me, then I can empower you. This is huge. This is huge. Because weakness, we find then, is the avenue for God's power. If you're always strong, if you got it always under control, God has no avenue to show you his power. But when you're weak and you say, I can't do this. I got a problem. Take it away. God says, excellent. You're right where I want you. You're weak and broken. Now my power can be infused into you. Look at Paul's response. He says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that The power of Christ may rest on me. Verse 10, look what he says. For the sake of Christ then, I'm content, is what some of your Bibles say. Or I take pleasure or I delight. The idea is I get real excited about this. I take joy in this. Look what he takes joy in. I take joy with weaknesses. What? I take joy with insults, with hardships, with persecutions, with calamities. This guy's crazy. For when I'm weak, he says, I know that I'm strong. For when I'm weak, I know that that's when God strengthens me. For when I'm weak, that's when I receive the grace of Jesus. Now this is a picture of how we grow in Jesus. Here's the problem. You and I, when we face all of these trials and problems in life, it's real natural for us to just run from them, right? I remember one this week specifically. I have a problem, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to run out of my office and hide. That's just where I wanted to go naturally. It's natural for us to run from pain to trials. A lot of us try to escape. A lot of us try to numb our pain, right? But in those seasons of life, in those moments... We're going through trials. Jesus says, I want you to be broken. I don't want you to run from it. I don't want you to numb it. I don't want you to escape from it. I want you to embrace the problem. I actually then want you to embrace me and experience my grace. You get that? That's weird. But that's what Jesus' followers do. That's growing in the grace, saying, when trials come, I will embrace them. I will embrace my Savior. 
You see, what happens is they receive God's grace then, especially in those broken moments, in those tough times. When I receive God's grace, what happens is God is actually growing my roots downward so that I can grow upward and produce fruit. This is what God's doing. Those tough times you're going through that you're trying to run from and trying to escape and trying to numb, he says, no, you run to me and I will grow your roots downward so that you can grow upward and produce fruit. Ah, I got to admit, that's just not the way the world says. It just says, drink your problems away and then start over on Monday. Or this week, phew, we get to start on Tuesday, you know. But Jesus says, no, don't, don't escape. Don't run from your problems because I'm growing your roots. Let me talk roots here real quickly. Anybody's lawn get brown this summer? I mean, maybe just a little brown or a lot brown or okay, all right. Yeah, anybody look like, mine kind of looked like that at times, all right? Now, part of that was it got really hot. We didn't see any rain. Part of it was some bad watering strategies on my part and things like that. But my lawn kind of looked like that, especially the backyard. I was having a conversation with some friends a couple weeks ago, and we were just talking about how our backyard is dying and things like that, and we didn't want to pay for water, and da-da-da-da-da. And someone says... My grass, I think I killed it. And one of my friends says, oh, no, no, no. Because the roots are still alive. The roots are still alive. You did not kill that. The roots are still alive. The roots aren't done growing. And you see, this is what's happening with God. When we experience his grace when we turn to him he's growing our roots and I'll tell you there will be seasons in your life and you might be in them right now and you say I feel like that lawn I feel dead and burnt and no growth is coming out but I want you to hear that the roots are still alive the God who began a good work in you he's going to carry that on to completion can I get an amen and he says, I, I know that for a season you feel like, I'm, I'm dead, I, I'm, I got nothing. And maybe you haven't experienced the waters and maybe whatever it is, but the roots for a follower of Jesus never die. They never die. We've started noticing this then in our yard. And it's like, hey, wait a second, after a few days of rain, guess what happens? The grass is growing. Why? The roots didn't die. And I want you to know as you experience the grace of God, He is growing your roots downward so that you could grow upward and produce fruit. And so Peter, because of this, says, grow in the grace of Jesus. Experience this grace. And I'll tell you, more times than not, it will happen through difficulties when you embrace those trials and you embrace your Savior. Second sphere of of growth I want to look at is the knowledge of God. And I want to say it this way, that I'm called to pursue, I'm called to pursue the knowledge of God. This is part of your growth, to pursue the knowledge of God. The knowledge of who? My Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My master who gives me my marching orders, the one who rescued me. I am to grow in my knowledge of him. Now, it's not like 
just were learning facts. When I was a kid, I had a ton of baseball and football and basketball cards. And I grew in a lot of knowledge of these guys, right? And I knew their height and their weight and their hometown and what college they went to and how many touchdowns they caught. And I knew all of those things. I'm not talking about knowing facts about Jesus. To the, for this When I'm talking about the knowledge of Jesus, I need you to turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me. So turn to the right, just 11 pages, to page 981, Philippians chapter 3, to understand what it means to grow in your knowledge of him. It's not most important to know where he was born or where he lived or what his parents' names were or what he did before uh, he became a teacher publicly. The knowledge of God can be found here in this passage in Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says this, I want to know, verse 10, I, I want to know him, Jesus. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to share in his sufferings. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I want to know this. I want to become like him in his death. Again, this guy's weird that he would say all this, but he's saying, here's what I want to know about Jesus. I want to know him in a very intimate way. I want a soul connection with him. The power that raised him from the dead, this power that he's given to me, I want to know him. I want to know his power that is in me. I want to know the power to be content when I'm in a miserable situation. I want to know the power to have joy when it looks like I shouldn't. I want to know him and this life that he offers. And this soul connection that the Apostle Paul is talking about, Jesus, with Jesus, he's saying, I want to grow in understanding his character and his power. This is what I want to know. When I grow in my knowledge of him, I want to know his character. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he thinks about me. I want to know the power that he has, the power that he's infusing into my life. This is what I want to know. The Apostle Paul's basically talking about intimacy. He says, I want to know Jesus. You see, this is what we all want, right? We all want this with people. I want to know somebody. And I want to be known by somebody. And I want to be able to cry and share with somebody. And I want somebody to cry and share with me. And it's one of the reasons some of us get married. We say, I want that relationship. And the Apostle Paul says this, I want to know Jesus deeply. Even to the point of, I want to know what it's like to share in his sufferings because I love him. He's my master. He's the one who saved me. I want to hurt like he hurt if I could. I think he's kind of crazy, but I can understand this too. He says, I want this person, this Jesus to, I want to have a greater relationship with him than anybody else. I think Apostle Paul is saying this, and Peter is saying we need to grow in this, because I need to know how to respond like Jesus. I think this is one of the reasons. If I grow in my knowledge of him, I can know then how to respond like him. Even this next week, I imagine you're going to have opportunities where people will hurt you. How can I respond like Jesus? Well, I have to know him. I have to know how he responded. Write this passage down if you would. It's one of the verses I recite every week to myself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, Consider him, consider Jesus, 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You consider what Jesus went through. You consider that Jesus did this for you. You consider him so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. This is why I put this to memory. I say, I want to know him. And when I go through a trial, this is one of the verses I would say, okay, Jesus, you certainly went through so much more. And I do know some things about you, but I also know your heart. And you went because you wanted to be obedient. And I want to respond like you. I don't always. (laughs) Those closest to me totally get that. Okay. But I want to consider him. And I want to respond like Jesus. I think I want to know Jesus too. And and Peter says grow in this knowledge. Because it's important to know about his love. You need to know about the love that Jesus has for you. Look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, this is my prayer for you, church. At times I pray this for myself, I pray this for my family, I pray this for you too. The Apostle Paul said this, I pray for you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It even goes beyond knowledge, but I pray that you would know, know how much Jesus loves you. Because if you don't know how much Jesus loves you, You are going to look for love in all the wrong places. Man, that's a good country song, isn't it? All right. But if you do not understand how much Jesus loves you, you're going to look for love in all the wrong places. And the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know. And Peter says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Understand this about Jesus, that he loves you. He showed this by going to the cross on your behalf. You're saying, but I'm not really lovable. He says, of course, no one is, but I love you. You say, I don't, you don't know what I did last week. doesn't matter. He loves you. It's his commitment to you. You see, I need to know this about Jesus, that he loves me. I need to know this about his character, too. I need to grow in my knowledge of his character. Let me show you this passage from Psalm 103. Psalm 103. The psalmist says this, you need to know the character of God because if you know the character of God, then you know how to relate to him. And here's what it says, that the Lord is compassionate and he's gracious and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. This is what he thinks of you. You need to grow in this knowledge So that you know this is how he thinks of you. Look what it says. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Can we get an amen to that? Amen. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. And when you start feeling, my sins are just terrible and I'm a miserable person, you need to know what God thinks of you. You need to know his character. You need to know that this is why Jesus went to the cross to remove this sin from you. And so Peter says, grow in experiencing the grace of Jesus, but grow in your knowledge of him so that you can respond like him, so that you can know his love, so that you can know his character, so that you can talk to him, so that you don't have to hide from him because God loves you and he suffered for you and he offers you power and life. 
And so there's this call in our life to pursue the knowledge of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is part of our growth process. Some of you might be asking, okay, how? How am I going to do this? How am I going to grow, right? Well, let me share a couple things with you. I'd like to share. Well, how am I going to grow? Okay, I'm all up for this growing thing. What are some steps? Let me give you some. One, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read it with a pen. Read it with a highlighter. Read it with a pencil. Mark things and go, oh, that is so cool. The Lord is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Whoa, I like that one. Read the Bible. Ask questions. Whether it's asking questions after I talk on Sunday, after you hear something on the radio, after you read the Bible. Read something and go, I have no clue what that means. I better share that with somebody. Ask questions. It's a way to grow. These little kids that are around us right now, don't they just bug us to death sometimes with questions? Why? Why? How does that work? Why does that work? How, how, how do they learn? How do they grow in knowledge? They ask questions. And then we get to become adults and we think, I can't ask questions. They'll think I'm stupid. Keep asking questions if you want to grow. Read other good books. Read books that will help you grow. Take notes. I know some of you do this. Don't just take notes to occupy your mind for 30 minutes when I talk to you on Sunday. Take notes to go, what does that mean? That's what I need to do. Take notes in life. And you will grow in knowledge. And what happens as we grow in knowledge? As you grow in your knowledge of God, He is going to grow your roots down. So that you can grow upward producing fruit. You see, you're going to start growing in knowledge. And as you do that, your roots are growing deeper down. And as your roots grow deeper down, you are growing upward so that you can bear more fruit. Let me talk about roots again. Talking to some friends and they were telling me about redwood trees. Redwood trees, those are pretty monstrous trees, right? In Northern California mostly. Anybody drive through the redwood forest down there? Go ahead, raise your hand. You've, you've seen some of these trees, okay? Raise your hand. You ever driven through the tree? All right, okay. There are a few trees you can drive through. I did as a kid. My parents took me down there. I took my kids down there. Probably should do it again. Here's a picture of two of them just in the middle of one of the trees that it... Uh, was on the ground. It's just those are monstrous trees. Let's talk about the root system. You'd think, how could a tree become so monstrous? What, what would its roots be like? And the key is not that the roots go down a mile. The key is that the roots tangle themselves together. They interlock constantly. They connect as if they are saying to each other, we're so connected that we cannot be broken apart. I'm thinking, well, God made this tree, one of, this, one of the biggest trees, and he made them so that their root systems would do this, be connected to each other. And I started thinking, is there a lesson in there for us? If the, is there a lesson about growing upward that we need each other to be connected? And what happens is you grow in your knowledge, and it won't happen just by yourself, but with you and with other people. As you grow in knowledge your roots are going to grow deeper and your roots are going to grow stronger. They're going to be connected. And then you will grow upward and you will bear much fruit. And so as a church then, next week when we have our kickoff Sunday is a time where we relaunch some of our ministries. 
All of these ministries and classes and things we do are so that you could experience the grace of God and grow in knowledge of Jesus. We do things like this, community groups. What do we do? We get together. We make big church small so that you get and share with people and you share, I'm struggling. You don't really get the opportunity to do this here at 1030 on Sunday mornings. Maybe you do it real quickly. Maybe you write on a card. But when you sit in somebody's house and say, I am broken, I am hurting, I'm a wreck. All of a sudden with other people you can experience the grace of God. This is why we have classes, groups, or groups, classes so that you can grow in knowledge. Bible studies, prayer groups, youth groups, prime timers. All of these groups are what? So that you could experience the grace of God and grow in the knowledge of God. And we offer these things and some of you just say, no, I'm pretty good on my own. I'll tell you, you're not. You're not. I'm not even just trying to push an agenda here of a class and say you need to show up, but you need other people. You need to grow with other people. So we have ministries, Mornings for Moms. It was designed to set up a group. Moms get together and just what? Say, it's hard being a mom. There's a group called Flourish for single moms. And they say the same thing. It's hard being a mom. There's groups like Celebrate Recovery saying we've got hurts and habits and hang-ups. And in those groups, we just dump our garbage and we grow and we grow in grace with one another. And we grow in knowledge of Jesus. And our roots are growing deeper so that we can grow upward. There are ministries in town that do the same thing then. That just get together and whether it's Young Life or Mid-Valley Fellowship or whatever that might be. is The idea is we need each other in our lives. So that we can deep and deepen our roots, so that our roots would get connected, so that we could grow upward. I think the key is this. You and I are called to this kind of growth as an individual and in community. Would you write this down and think about this here for a minute? You and I are called to grow individually and within community. You should spend some time with the Word of God. Not just Sunday mornings when I open it. You should. Figure out ways that you connect with God. Is that a nature walk? Is that listening to Christian music? Whatever that is, is that journaling you and God? You spend time individually with God, but also and do that within community. Doesn't have to be a church program. Get a few people together and say, let's go out to coffee and just talk and share our hearts and pray and talk a little football at the end. But you and I were called to grow individually and within community. Because the idea is that you learn so that you can share. And you grow so that you can bless. It's not an individual game here that we're talking about. Let's finish today by looking at verse 18 again. Verse 18. Peter says these words, and I want to finish with them. Chapter 3. Oh, back to 2 Peter. You've got to go back there, don't you? 2 Peter, chapter 3, page 1019 again. Underline this verse. Highlight this verse. Circle it. Whatever you do with it. Memorize this. And let this be our verse for this next year. Second Peter chapter 3, he says this, but grow. Grow. Grow in the grace 
and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When Peter says that, he says this, that growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus is going to be for our good. It is. It's going to be for our good. It's going to be for our good. Our roots are going to go deeper. Our roots are going to be more connected. And when the next storm comes to your life, you're going to be more equipped for it because you have been growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It will be for your good. But look what Peter says. He goes on to say, to him, that is Jesus, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. He says, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus is for our own good, but I want you to know it's for God's glory. It's for God's glory that you would pursue growth. It is for God's glory that you would experience and receive grace. It is for God's glory that you would pursue the knowledge of Him. As you do this, God is going, that's how I made that person. When he sees that redwood tree grow, he's going, that's how I made that tree. It's huge. It's beautiful. They're driving their cars through it. He says, I designed them that way with their root structures. And oh, I received glory because I made the tree that way. And I'll tell you, he cares so much more for you than he does those trees. He says, I designed you to deepen your roots by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus so that you would grow upward, so that you would bear fruit, that you would glorify me, that you would bless others. That's God's heart for you. That's God's call for you. Here's what I'd like us to do in closing day. I'd like you to just close your eyes, bow your heads. And reflect for a moment. Just reflect. Don't reflect on the busyness of this next week, but just reflect on this call to grow. To experience grace through trials. To pursue knowledge of this God, His character and His love for you. Would you simply ask, God, what are you calling me to do? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care for us and that you are speaking to us. And I thank you for these words that you spoke through Peter for us. I thank you for these words that you spoke through the Apostle Paul. They're difficult words for us in that you want us to turn to you in trials, that you want us to pursue you. And God, I just confess for myself and for my brothers and sisters that We want to run from trials. We want to escape and numb all the pain. And we don't run to you. I confess that we know way too much more about fantasy football than who you are and your love for us. And yet I thank you that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. You've removed them from us because of the work of Jesus that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. 
And so God, would you help us to see some clear next steps? Reconnecting with some friends, joining a class, a group, reconnecting. God, whatever that would be, reading your word on a regular basis, would you speak to us and then give us the courage to follow through. I thank you that you love us, that you are at work in growing us. I love you and commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take communion here. And again, this is a time where if you are a believer in Jesus, you as a believer become a receiver. You receive again and say, Jesus, I I receive your grace in my life. This was amazing what you did for me. You who were rich, you became poor so that I who was poor could become rich and enter your family. So as you take this believer, as you receive this, receive this great gift that God has for you. I invite you to use this as a time to pray as well. Some of you have kids with you. Pray with your kids. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your friend that's next to you. We're going to have prayer partners at each of the stations where they can pray for you. If you want somebody to carry one of your burdens with you, they will pray with you. And make this a time of worship, a time where we say, God, you are so good. You are so good. Of course, I want to spend the rest of my life experiencing your grace, pursuing knowledge of you because of what you've done for me. Worship team's going to lead us in some songs. Pray, reflect, worship, receive the grace of Jesus.